I just want people to remember the best bet is to start as you intend to go on. So don't start free if you can't keep free going. And we all know nobody's business can run for free forever. So, you know, my granny would call that don't start something you can't finish. Don't start working for free. You know, you can't finish working for free. Converting those clients can be difficult. Welcome back to another episode of When Hers United, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I truly appreciate you listening in. This is season 10, episode two, entitled Consistently Monetize Your Business with Natalie Bullen. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you more about me and When Hers United, the podcast. I believe that success leaves clues. And When Hers United, the podcast was created to give you the clues you need to succeed in business, mindset, personal development, and self-care. These are the four pillars we stand on here at When Hers United, which is why they are emphasized so we all can live a complete and fulfilled life, both personally as well as professionally. If you love Winners United, please invite someone you know to listen and tell your friend to tell a friend. Let's spread the knowledge. You know, we believe in being empowered and empowering on. Now, without further ado, let's get into season 10, episode two, entitled, consistently monetize your business with Natalie Bullen. We're back with another amazing, winning, woman of color entrepreneur, Natalie. Welcome. Hey, hey, I'm happy to be here. So excited to have you and to learn from you. So before we get started, let me tell you more about Natalie. Natalie Bullen is a wealth and money mindset coach from Mobile, Alabama. As the owner of Unapologetic Wealth, she teaches service-based entrepreneurs to prioritize peace and profit and view sales as service so they can step into the wealth they deserve and desire. Her signature sales and mindset coaching program is for women ready to divorce the idea that they aren't ready or deserving of dream clients who buy at premium prices. She also leads the Convos and Connections Inner Circle, a diverse network for high-earning ethical entrepreneurs. Natalie, look, all of that sound like sign me up right now today. Sign me right on up. Amen. That's what it's supposed to do. Listen, I can't wait. I can't wait. So let's get started with you telling us more about your business, Unapologetic Wealth, and what inspired you to get started. Unapologetic Wealth is really, really dynamic. It is unlike any business that I have run across that is run by Black women. I'll just say that personally, because it doesn't just focus on making more money. So I was in banking for seven years. I am securities licensed. I've sold life insurance. And I am accustomed to being the only woman, let alone the only Black woman in the room. And I've learned that wealth is increasingly white. Black 
net worth is on track to hit zero by the year 2050. That's right. It's trending down. We are worth less and less and less every year. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Not when I meet us and we're so dynamic and we're so effervescent and we're so educated. And I decided that, you know, working in banking was cool, but it was product driven. Mortgages and credit cards and debit cards and checking accounts. When's the last time you sat with your banker and got an education on how to run a business or how to run your finance? You have it. So I knew that God was calling me to do something bigger, but frankly, I didn't have any clue what that was. And so I was blessed to be able to go out on behalf of the bank to do financial literacy speaking engagements. I did over 200 of those in person at churches, at universities, at colleges, even K through 12 schools. And I loved it, but I couldn't figure out how to monetize it because all those people were paycheck to paycheck, hoping I was going to put them on a budget. And it wasn't until COVID hit that I decided I was going to step out and I was going to use my securities licenses and be my own financial advisor. And I tanked. I tried to get people in workshops, on retirement. I couldn't get a soul. And I finally got the nerve to just ask some people, like, look, why you won't support me? Come on. You like all my stuff. You, why you won't come to my workshop? And they level with me. And they were like, well, Nelly, we don't have, I don't have any money to fund my retirement. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have any money to fund your retirement? You're an entrepreneur. And they're like, yeah, my business doesn't make any money. And I was like, well, that's a head scratcher. Why are you in a business that don't make any money? And I started to learn how common this was, how common it was that we were living our dreams in our passion, which is great, but that we hadn't really cracked the code on how to consistently monetize our gift in our business. And so things like life insurance, retirement planning, getting a trust, getting a will, they were just being left by the wayside. It was around the same time that either Prince that died or maybe when Aretha Franklin died. I can't recall. But neither of them had wills or an estate plan. And both of them had to go through probate. And all I remember thinking to myself was if prolific celebrity, big, important persons like this don't have basic financial literacy, nobody does. And I decided that in addition to, you know, really leaning on the money part, that I was also going to teach people how to make more money. So I think I'm really unique in that I help my clients learn how to sell so they can start generating revenue. And then I make sure that they have a financial dream team in place. Do they have an accountant? Do they have a bookkeeper? Do they have an estate planning attorney? Do they have life insurance? And are they actually growing this money into wealth? Because I don't want clients who are like lottery winners. We have a $100,000 launch and then three months is all gone. I want them to actually be able to have something they can grow. And so that's how Unapologetic Web started and it's going really well. I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Oh my goodness, Natalie. Like that was a harsh reality check, right? Wealth is traditionally white. I mean, and it makes sense, but it still hurts to hear, right? It is hurtful. Yeah. I love how you are taking the charge to change that though. I love how you ask the question to get to the root of how can I make my business better? Right. Like I think a lot of times we're spinning our wheels and spinning our wheels and wondering why this thing isn't working. But are we actually taking the time to ask the question? And then once we get the answer, what are we doing to make that answer work for us or, you know, change what we have to do to 
see wealth the way we want to see it, right? I love your financial dream team. Look, sign me up. Sign me up for a financial dream team. I need, I need one, right? And then I love your focus on longevity. Like if that didn't paint a clear picture, because, you know, that's what happens when people win the lottery. Like, you know, they got money today and they broke yep. the bar, right? So yep. that, yeah, longevity is definitely about longevity. All right. So when we talked previously, you mentioned the importance of clientele. Right. Being able to find the right clients and being able to repel the wrong clients. Talk to us more about that. You know, I think this is probably the most important thing as an entrepreneur for you to get down who you are called to serve, who you can actually help. Many of us, because of past traumas, hurts, harms, not having the business acumen, we usually settle for a client that's a previous iteration of ourselves because we feel equipped to coach that person because we've been her before. So we don't want to, quote unquote, choose somebody that's doing better than us. So you'll see it very often. You'll see a Facebook ad strategist or a website designer that's catering to brand new businesses because they feel like that's in their wheelhouse. But they're trying to charge them $10,000. What brand new business can afford a $10,000 website? Mm -hmm. They can't. So you wonder why you can't sell it. You're trying to give an advanced solution to a rudimentary problem. And if we were honest with ourselves, most of us would admit the client I should be serving has more money, more resources, more time, more business acumen, more savvy, more support, more teams, more contracts, more budget than the one that I'm currently trying to serve. Most of us try to serve a bare minimum, barely keeping the lights on entrepreneur, somebody that can't make their payment arrangement, somebody's always late. They go pay us when their client pays them, but their client ain't paid them in six months. So now that and your money's being blocked because you're waiting on someone who's waiting on someone who's waiting on someone. Instead of just going to Verizon and saying, this is what I offer and trying to make the deal. Because we don't, we don't see ourselves as persons who are important enough to work with Verizon. So we'll target a client. We know we can help somebody that's safe that we don't think is going to give us a charge back. But that safety stunts us because a lot of times they can't pay what we deserve. So we're trying to mold our services to fit people's budgets. Well, what can you afford? Who cares? I ain't never been to a restaurant where the restaurant owner asked me, what can you afford for dinner? The price was the price. It's printed on the menu. The price is the price. But a lot of women-owned businesses, we have them like flea markets. My price is $10,000. Oh, I can never pay $10,000. Well, what can you pay? We're ready to make a deal. We like Howie, opening cases. You don't know what. You remember that show? What was it? Who wants this? Now who wants to be a millionaire? There was a show with a whole bunch of cases, and you had to guess which case had the million dollars in it. And you ain't know what was going to be in the case till it got open. That's how I feel like some of our revenue is. We don't know what the deal going to be till the case get open, and we hope it's the dollar amount that we wanted, and maybe it's not, and we just settle for it. No. Who do you want to serve? So I'm going to give people, I'm going to give people something useful. You listen to this, pull out pen and paper. I'm going to give you one of my frameworks for free. It's called Be, Do, Have. What do people need to be in order to qualify to work with you? What do people need to do 
in order to qualify to work with you? And what do people need to have? Let me give you an example. B is demographic. Do they need to be a woman, a non-binary person, a man? Do they need to be a baby boomer? Do they need to be a millennial? Do they need to be a single mom? Do they need to be an empty nester? What demographic qualities? Do they need to be a southerner? Maybe you, you know, sell something that's coastal. They need to live in Maine to be able to get it, right? What do they need to be? I met a financial advisor that only serves dentists and veterinarians. So that was his qualification. I said, that's very specific. Why dentists and veterinarians? He said, because they're high paid like doctors, but they're low stress. The vet closed all weekend. He said, I used to try to sell the OBGYNs. You can't get them on the phone because people always having babies. But dentists close at noon on Friday and they have very low stress and vets do too. So he wanted medical professional pay without medical professional stress. He studied his people. They need to be something. What do people need to do? Action, activities. Do they need to heal their inner child trauma before they qualify to work with you? Do they need to already walk one mile a day to qualify for your weight loss program? What do they need to do? Actions. We don't, we don't talk about that. We let anybody in our program. What do they need to do before they qualify to work with us? And I'm going to keep using the word qualify because it's a gift for us to sell our services to people. It is a gift for them to be able to purchase our services. A lot of us are desperate for pay, like the client is the one that's winning. Yeah, we, there's an even exchange happening. It's not just, I got their money, so they, I came up and they did. No, it's a benefit to the client as well. So B, do, what do they need to have? Do they need to already have a staff, employee? Do they need to have a team? Do they need to have a Facebook ad strategist? Do they need to have $10,000 gross revenue months? Do they need to already have a website, professional photos, a positive mindset? What do they need to have? If you could just be honest with yourself and ask and answer those three, it'll solve 70% of your sales problems. Because you won't get on the phone, people don't qualify, and you won't feel bad about screening them out. You won't feel bad about it, right? For instance, Ms. Nicole, what do you sell people? What do you offer folks? Podcast coaching. Podcast coaching. So if I told you I wanted to launch a podcast, but I have no audience, nobody knows who I am, no offer, barely any money, I'm clearly not a good fit, right? But a lot of us don't have systems and processes and questionnaires in place to be able to suss that out. So you might get on the phone with old charlatan and realize 30 minutes in that this ain't even a person you should be making an offer to. That's why this be, do, have is so important because then you can get really specific and say, you know what? In order for people to qualify for my podcast services, they need to be a woman of color between the ages of 28 and 42 because that's the fastest growing demographic of podcast owners. They need to have a team, some type of tech savvy, enough money to buy podcast equipment or the willingness to let me, you know, accept the equipment for them. They need to have a quiet place to record. If they tell me they live with their mama and three of the grandkids and it's always a mess and it's a barking dog and it, they live in Compton and the, the drive-bys is never going to be quiet ever. It ain't going to be two minutes of quiet. Now, one day out of the year in this house, maybe they're not, maybe they don't need a podcast, right? You can vet those people. And so then when you get on the phone with people, when you read their intake form, their application, 
and you get these signs and they say, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm not a woman of color. You know, I'm a guy and I've been thinking about launching a podcast, but I don't have a topic and I don't have any money. Like you can already say, you know, he doesn't meet my bead you have. And you can send out a quick little email or you can get automations to say, you know, at this time, your application has not been approved. And not even waste your time on the phone with folks. But most of us take anybody with a pulse and a PayPal. We have absolutely no systematized way to vet people as to whether or not we should allow them to pay us. And yes, that is something you allow people to do. You don't have to do it. People can't make, I'll refund you. Don't just think you're going to run up on me payment ready. I need to make sure you're the type of person I want to coach. That is something you have to own. And a lot of us, we treat what, what my, my sales coach Donna said once, treat your business like a private park instead of, you know, a public, a public park. Don't let dogs come and pee on your park, right? And I thought that was so profound because most of us do. We treat our place like a public, you know, any, anybody who meander in, we accept them and we're nice to them. You don't have to operate like that anymore. It's your business. You do not have to be public facing to the degree that anybody who comes in and shoves a lot of dollars in your face, you'll take it. But that takes a certain level of confidence. And frankly, it takes you not having to be desperate for cash. Some of us, and we ain't made a sale in so long that by the time somebody come along, we just say yes, because we like, I just need somebody to pay me. And if you can get your sales system together, you won't be in that situation. Mm. Listen, y'all, Natalie done came through and done gave us a sales class 401. Forget the 301. We on, we on to the 401 now. They're like that, that was good. That was so good. Look, and she put me on the hot seat, y'all. I don't, you know. Listen, Natalie, but you started off all in my business. I'm gonna say you started off all in my business because I call myself my person is a previous version of me. Natalie, I gotta go and recreate my whole will. Messing with Natalie, but I love all of this, right? Because the premise is to grow and it does make sense, right? Because the previous version of me wasn't doing what I'm even doing right now, right? So can you afford me? That makes so much sense. I love that. You had me cracking up with a post in the PayPal, right? And it does go back to what you're saying, right? Like not making decisions out of desperation, but being intentional, with our decisions, right? And being intentional in understanding our own value as people, right? Because what I'm learning is the cheaper the price, the more headache the client can be, right? So so that's a whole, you know, like, are you looking for that headache or are you looking for some ease, right? <sighs> yeah, I, you said so many. You said so many. I love them all. I love them all. So I know that one of your go-to practices is taking things to market before creation, right? What does that mean? Why do you feel it's effective? And what advice do you have for us in this area? You know, I think it's important for you to get real life feedback if you're thinking about offering something. And so often I see entrepreneurs pour hours, months, years into this passion product of theirs. And then they try to sell it. Nobody wants it. So it's really important for you to gauge, does the market even want what you have? Now, does that mean throw some crap together at the last minute? Absolutely not. You want to be transparent, but you can gauge interest. Hey, if I had a paid workshop on this topic, 
Would you buy it? And people go, yeah, yeah, how about buy it? Okay. Then I'm going to set up the funnel. I'm going to create a small sales page. I'm going to create a Stripe link. And I'm going to let people buy it. I'm going to set it out two, three weeks in the future. And if people purchase it, then I will get my VA to make the slides. Then I will hire the VA and the, the MC. Then I will create the funnel. Then I will create the upsell. Now before I've gotten paid. So often we have people who are pre-revenue who have dumped thousands of dollars into this thing, this framework and this methodology. And they are stoked. And then they put it out there and it's cricket. Because they either don't have an audience or their audience wasn't aligned. Nobody knew what this was. And the verbiage was off. The marketing was off. Marketing is a constant effort. Sales is a daily effort. If you don't have that proof of concept yet that what you want to do is something people want to buy, then you need to get that first. The only time I would say I might differ is maybe with a course. I am a firm believer that if you don't know how to write curriculums or do instructional design, that you should hire that out. However, you still should do some market research. Before I consider doing a course, I did hundreds of persons of market research. Literally talked to, email, DM 300 people. What do you want in this course? What is your biggest struggle? So I believe wholeheartedly that my course is going to solve a problem that I consistently get it from my audience. And it's also not my first offer. And it's also not something that if it doesn't sell, I'm screwed. So, you know, you don't put all your eggs in, in the new offer basket. You make sure you got enough of your constant thing going before you kind of layer. A lot of times people create a new offer because their first offer didn't sell. That's not what you do. You refine and you fix your signature offer before you go adding new stuff to it. That's like being broken, adding an addition onto your home. <laughs> That's what people do. It's like, well, that don't make no sense. If you broke, you need to spruce up what you got. Don't go ahead and do it. Now you're making your problem bigger. Because now you got more house to keep up with. Every time you create a new offer, there's a new funnel, a new sales page, a new automation, new system, a new name, a new trademark, a new addendum in your contract. Be careful before you decide, I'm just going to create 10 new offers next week. You need to make sure they're vetted. You need to talk to your team. You need to talk to your lawyer. No stuff nobody wants to do. You got a contract that don't even talk about this new thing you created or the last four things you created. You got people signing outdated contracts. It's all cool. So you get a charge back. You go look at your contract and realize it ain't even the contract that applies to the offer you sold them because neither one of you read it. Slow down. There's this urgency of churn, 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 more, more, more. Chill. It is okay to be boring in business. I want to run my business like a dentist practice. Dentists make crazy money in an incredibly boring way. They set appointments, people show up, they build them for the services. I mean, there is nothing fascinating about a dentist office, but there's a reason where every dentist you know is a millionaire. You know, that fancy, splashy stuff, it looks cute, but it's really hard to sell sprawling offer suites. It's better for you to really get clear on what your signature offer is, the best way that you can serve clients. And if you want to have maybe one upsell and one downsell from there, that's fine. But I'm wary of entrepreneurs who always seem to have something new coming out. It makes you wonder what happened to the old offer, you know? Right, right. I love that. Oh my goodness, Natalie. 
That was so good, right? And, and I totally agree with you in relation to those, we'll just say flip-flop, you know, like the flip-flopping of the thing, right? Yeah, because it does make me, you know, I said a little side-eye, you know, like, do you know what you're doing, right? Kind of thing. So in relation to that, though, right, like that piggybacks on to a question I had about going to market first, right? Now, what if you go to market and you don't get the people, you know, that you thought you would get, right? Like, what about the people that feels like, oh, I said I was going to do it, so I still have to do it? I guess it would depend on what it is. I launched a membership and I wanted to get 50 people in it. I had a wait list. The wait list had almost 200 people on it. So I felt like it was a given that at least 50 of them would. But I had people apply. You know, so that's some friction. Everybody didn't want to apply. I set a pretty quick deadline. I only gave people two weeks. I made people agree to three months up front and pay for three months up front. So I think some people was only expecting to pay for one month. All in, I got 34 people. I'm not going to not add a membership. Membership is going to roll. We've been having it. It's been great. Now, I have a client who had a workshop she wanted to do. Today is June 27, 2022. She wanted to have it on July the 6th. No one has signed up for it. So now she's trying to figure out, should she move the date? Absolutely. And she asked me, well, you know, how do I save face? Save face from who? Nobody bought it. Right? To me, the only way you have to save face is if maybe two people had purchased it. Now you got to go to those two people and say, look, I'm actually not going to have it on this day. I'm going to move it. Right? That's when it gets tricky when you had a few people buy. If nobody bought it, move the date and call yourself thankful that nobody bought it so you ain't have to apologize to anybody. If you got a workshop and only one or two people paid for it, you got two lines of thoughts. You can reframe this as a good sales opportunity to at least get comfortable. It's a small crowd. You won't be nervous. It's only two people. And you can record it and you can repurpose that recording. Or you can say, you know what? I want to have more people there and figure out how you can get crafty. Maybe ask the two people who signed up if they want a buddy pass, that you'll let their buddy come half off, right? If they bring somebody with them. Maybe you can go on Facebook and go, look, it's almost sold out. I've had these people sign up. You know, it's next week. You can go all in on the promo. The truth is, a lot of times we don't get the sales we want because we didn't do the sales activity. We underestimate how much sales activity is going to take to hit our goal. We think we're going to be able to post on Facebook once a month and that's going to be enough to sell our stuff. But that's just one marketing channel. And if you are posting multiple times a day, like Facebook was not created to help you sell out your launch. Facebook was not created to help you sell out your launch. So a lot of us are using Facebook as the sole marketing and business tool and that's just not what it was created for. It was created for engagement and viral content. And, and that's really the second reiteration. The first iteration was to keep college kids in contact with each other after they graduated. So it's a lot of times we just aren't familiar. We aren't doing enough. When I see people whose launches failed and I look at the amount of promotion they did, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody promote the way they need to promote to an audience that was warm and not have a successful launch. Maybe one. I might know one person offhand where I literally was shocked that her launch flopped. But in general, that's not what happens. In general, we just, we kind of give up. Like when, as the date gets closer, 
we go, man, nobody signed up. I guess I ought to give up. So we don't keep going hard. I feel like if you're going to have a launch, you need to go hard every single day, whether people buy or not, whether people are interested or not. You can't just decide, well, nobody bought today, so I'm just going to move on. Like, it don't work that way. Right, right. That's good. I love that. I love that. And I think what you said was really profound, right? Because I understand what you're saying as far as, okay, if someone who signed up for the thing, if you have to call or reach out to them and apologize to them and tell them you're moving it, okay, right? But I think a lot of times we think about the people that saw us promoting it, you know, that didn't sign up, oh, right? the people who didn't pay you. <laughs> those people? The people who saw the date and didn't buy. Y'all worry about those people. Can't be worried about those people. That can't be who you mean. Here's what I, I would tell you. Maybe they didn't buy because of the date. I know I wouldn't sign up for anything July the 6th because I'm taking the whole week off for the 4th of July. And I'm not taking it off because of the 4th. I don't need to celebrate the 4th, but because that's already a holiday week and I meet with a lot of my clients on Mondays and obviously we're not going to meet on the 4th of July, I decided I would just take that whole week off because it would be easier than trying to explain why I'm taking a non-holiday week off. So I wouldn't sign up because it was July the 6th. Maybe some of those people actually didn't sign up because of the date. So moving the date would actually be better. Only one way to find out, move the date and sell it again. But I don't give a damn about what people who didn't give me money think about my business tax. You have not earned the right to critique my business. You have not earned the right. You're not a patron. You have to patronize my business before you can criticize my business. Mm. Mm-mm. Listen, y'all, Natalie ain't coming to play with us today, Natalie. <sighs> and then also, you know, just the education as far as doing the research and going hard, just all of that. Oh, Natalie, my spirit is sparked. I love it. I love it. We got merch. Go to winhersunited.com forward slash shop to check out the WinHers t-shirts. There are two options available for you in multiple colors. Get one for you and a friend. One is called the WinHers Courageous t-shirt and the other is called the WinHers Birthright t-shirt. The material is top notch and the designs are too cute. Remember, you're a WinHer every day. So you might as well wear the t-shirt. Get yours today at winhersunited.com forward slash shop. So one more business question before we get on to some of the other topics. And speaking of transitioning, right? Changing our practices. A lot of times people are told, oh, when you first start a business, you should do stuff for free, pro bono, get your name out there, build your portfolio, right? And I know that you do not believe in this practice. So I guess talk to us about why you don't believe in it. And then also give us some advice for the person that may have started down this path, but then they realize or after listening to you, they know that they don't got no business doing this, right? And they want to switch it up. Yeah, I think I just want people to remember the best bet is to start as you intend to go on. So don't start free if you can't keep free going. And we all know nobody's business can run for free forever. So, you know, my granny would call that don't start something you can't finish. Don't start working for free. You know, you can't finish working for free. Converting those clients can be difficult. 
I think if you've got clients now who are not paying you, you got to determine whether you have people worth keeping. If they're not worth keeping, then you could have a meeting with them, send them an email. Hey, thank you so much for patronizing Unapologetic Wealth, you know, LLC for your website development needs, right? Something I don't do, but still. I have enjoyed providing web host maintenance and management for the past six months for you while I gain my skills, et cetera. I would love to connect to get a testimonial just to talk through how wonderful my services have been. Collect your testimonial and tell them after the call, hey, I'm transitioning to a paid model only. So here are your options if you want to continue the wonderful service you just gave me a testimonial on. And let them know it's going to be 200 a month, 500 a month, or whatever it's going to be, and that they have until whatever date to decide. And if they don't decide that you're going to offload all of their services, you're going to delete them out your computer and be done with it. Like, don't make it hard. Make it professional. If you have people who you don't want to keep, get rid of them. Thank you so much for letting me service your business while I was growing, learning, adjusting, changing, adapting, all through my divorce, whatever it is that had you thinking you had to work for free. But something had been going on in your life, amen? Whatever you had going on in your life that made you think you had to work for free, because of that, thank you. I am actually going to be transitioning out of this type of work. Effective this day, I'll no longer be providing this service for you. If you need recommendations to other persons who can do this kind of work, I want to recommend you to person A, person B. I'm not quite sure of their rates, but feel free to book calls with them. I appreciate you for using the service. Have a good day. Bye. Don't make it hard. You can create a good experience for people even as you offboard them. What you don't want to do is be resentful that you are working for free and stuck with these people. And you're stuck with people who are keeping you from a paid client. I know so many people who are in unpaid situations. It's just like dating. How many women you know that's in a situation that ain't going nowhere with a man who ain't never going to marry them, don't even want them, trifling as hell? That's blocking them from their husband. Hmm. A good man see that and say, oh, no, I don't want to deal with nobody that's dealing with no clown like that. We do the same thing with these unpaid clients. We have these unpaid clients that are vampires. They're sucking all of our energy, but we're just a little too afraid to step out on faith and get rid of them. You have literally nothing to lose if they are not paying. Now, if they're just not paying you enough, again, that's when you want to have conversations. That's why I don't put people on long retainers indefinitely. Because I always have an opportunity to renew. Typically, people will hire me for either three months or six months. So that gives us time to get used to each other. And then we can assess. And I let people know when they sign up, your price may go up at renewal. I typically grandfather people in either at what they paid or close as a loyalty measurement for staying with me, right? But if you've grandfathered your people into something that's grandfathered you into poverty, then you got to do something about it, right? Don't let folks grandfather you into no mess too now. You, they done grandfathered you into the Dollar Tree. You got to reassess. And that's when you can literally just, you know, create a little script, have your email up, have something where you can read it. You know, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, for the years of support. As you know, my business has grown. I've taken on new clients. You know, God is doing a new thing in my life. I love that. You can do that anytime. Oh, you pull that out on the 13th of the month. God always doing something new. I love that. Do that. God is doing a new thing. I don't care if it's a new season. When summer hits, it's a new season. When the first of the month, it's a new month. First day of the quarter is a new quarter. Christmas, happy holidays. 
whatever's going on, you can come up with some reason to send out a letter about a price increase, okay? Just find something relevant on the calendar and attach to it. It's almost Independence Day, and I'm about to get my independence from you. I'm joking. Don't say that. <laughs> but, like, come up with something on the calendar and attach to it and just let them know. Here are some changes, exciting changes that are coming. You frame people's emotions. Nicole, if I tell you right now, I have great news. You're going to go, oh, really? What is it? Let me tell you something. My husband forgot to cook breakfast this morning. You would be like, what's great about that? And but let me tell you, because he didn't cook breakfast this morning, I was actually able to go on Facebook, find a client, and close them today on a sales call. Isn't that great? You're going to go over here. Sure, that's great. Even if I say, girl, nothing really, but you know what? I need to be on a diet anyway, so we're going to call it great. You're going to laugh and say, okay, that was great. Because I'm telling you it's great, so your brain is ready for a positive emotion. So it doesn't really matter if what I tell you behind it is great or not. I've kind of framed your feeling. But when you start sentences with unfortunately, regrettably, however, at this time, we will be unable to. You're framing people in a negative state of mind. That's what we do when we raise prices. Unfortunately, we will no longer be able to serve you at this price. Regrettably, your services are going to end on it. It's not regrettable. That you're going to charge enough to be wealthy? Why are we regretting that? Why do we regret wealth? It's not unfortunate that you're going to charge them the right amount of money. It's not unfortunate. It's unfortunate you was doing it cheaper. That was unfortunate. It's not unfortunate that you're correcting your error. So stop speaking that kind of negativity. Just keep the facts. I'm doing something new in my business, and here are your new options. Effective this day, the price is this much. Option one, stay with me, pay the new price. Option two, decide not to stay with me and offboard by this day. Option three, you want to talk about it, let's book a call, click this link. Then nobody has to have regrets and fears and doubts and insecurities and unfortunate events. It's business. And if we can get our ego and our emotion out of our pricing, we will be so much better off. So that's what I would tell somebody who out here working for free or just about free. That was so good, Natalie. And listen, y'all, listen, if you don't got your notebook, if you don't go back and listen to this episode with a whole well, Google Sheets, Google Word document, Natalie just gave us like 10 email templates. It's probably more than 10 because I know I'm about to go back and I'm about to write these emails and they about to be ready. I'm going to be excited to send them out. Right. Because, oh, my goodness, this was so amazing. And I do agree that words matter. Right. So knowing how to use those words to shape the atmosphere, so to say. Right. is very important. And you can't say that you don't know because Natalie just told us. Right. So it's up to you to use it. All right, Natalie, well, you led right into the next thing, which is about the power of positivity, which I know is one of your jams and having an expected mindset as a business owner. What does that mean and how do we do it? I spent most of my life a negative person, a very pessimistic person in the name of realism. I was one of those, I'm going to keep it real. And keeping it real just meant keeping it real negative, okay? 
I didn't expect men to do right, so they didn't do right. I didn't expect jobs to pay me a lot of money, so I was underpaid. I didn't expect my acne to clear up, so my acne was bad. I didn't expect my car to keep running, so my car broke down. I didn't expect my boss to be nice, so my boss was a jerk. I didn't expect men to not cheat on me, so they ran the streets. My expectations drove my life. And it wasn't until I realized how is it in my best interest to think that everything is going to go wrong? I didn't have a good answer. Most of us expect to be in businesses that aren't going to make any money. Somebody listening to me is going to go, that's not true, man. I knew my business was going to make money. Did you? Why you don't have an accountant? Don't tell me you can't afford it. But if you knew that your business was going to start making money, wouldn't you shore up your financial situation first? Wouldn't that be the first thing that you did? If you knew that your business was going to make money, wouldn't you have a financial foundation? If you knew, but you don't, you doubt. Because you doubt, you don't act. And a lot of us have doubted our way into businesses that are underserving us. We doubt that our clients will pay full price. So we give them payment plans spread out over 65 payments. Crazy stuff. We coach people for three months, let them pay for three years. Just wild. People have forgot who you are. You ain't coached them in so long. Paying on websites that launched two years ago. And these are real stories. People writing off more bad debt than they're getting in payments. Having these sob stories from clients that got them afraid to collect because they don't want to balance their checking account. What about your checking account? What about your husband? I don't know you, Nicole, like that. And I love you as a sister. But you and your household and your husband can't trump me and my household and mine. So if it come down to you supposed to pay me, you're going to pay me. Because that's what you agreed to as an adult in your right mind when you sign that contract. So we need to stop expecting that people aren't going to pay, aren't going to show up, aren't going to do right, aren't going to boss up, aren't going to. What if they do? You are doing yourself a disservice by expecting the worst of the people that you deal with. And it's a reflection on you. I can tell you I was bitter. And that is why I view things from a negative lens. That had nothing to do with the people that I were in my midst. That everything to do with how I felt. I had abandonment issues and trauma. And that is what I projected onto the world. And I rejected them before they could reject me. And you have to heal that so that you can go out and be positive. Now, I get on sales calls and go, of course they're going to hire my service is amazing. It's well articulated. And even though it is an aggressive price for some people, if a person really wants to move their business forward, they will pay it. I paid a terrible coach, 15K when I was starting out. And it taught me two things. One, you could be mediocre and charge a lot of money. And two, confidence trumps all. So I raised my price because I was like, well, if that thing is charging 15, I could at least charge five. Because that was horrible. And I'm at least average, at least. And that's where I started. How can I charge 5K? And I did. Then it was, how can I charge 10K? And I did. So it's not that it wasn't possible for me. You can't earn above the level for which you see yourself. So if you see yourself as a 50K earner, then that's the earner you will be. You are not going to be able to out-earn that level of confidence and self-esteem that you have. You can't do it. 
So when I meet people that are like, yeah, girl, he ain't paid, but I mean, you know how these clients are. They don't ever pay. Oh, yeah, you're going to be broke a long time because you already have this expectancy of wrongdoing. You expect your clients to breach their contract. You expect your clients to be broke. You expect your clients to be trifling. So, of course, you're going to get a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're going to repel. We talked earlier about how do you attract and repel. You're going to repel that. Imagine if I wanted to be your friend. And the first time I reached out to you on the internet to try to see if we had a synergy, I went, now, I know you're probably not even going to show up to our connection call because you know how these women are. They be busy, right? So, I mean, in case you're not busy with your kid, you know, or your husband or your church, you know, in case you're not too busy, I guess I'll see you on Thursday. You'll be like, oh, no, you're not. Because right. something wrong with you. You're crazy. <laughs> But that's how a lot of us are coming off on the internet. A lot of us are putting out a negativity towards something, ourselves, our clients, even stuff that you think isn't business related. If you hate your baby daddy, I don't want you to be my coach. You need to heal. If you still hate that man and you won't let him see your kids, I don't want to be with no coach that hold a grudge. Oh, you too angry for me. No, you don't have the right vibe. So a lot of us don't even realize the hatred that we harbor in other parts of our lives. When you become an entrepreneur, everything about you is on display for your business. You can hide in a job because you don't make the policies and procedures. You just show up and do whatever they tell you to do and you go home. So you can hide trauma and you can hide all of that. Nobody know. Come on. What did your coworkers really know about you? My coworkers didn't know me at all. Start a business. Everything comes out because you set the price. And you make the policies and you make the decision and you buy the technology and you schedule the sales calls. And all of a sudden, all that stuff you've been sweeping under the rug and hiding in the closet, it comes out. Huh, folks need to heal, okay? Money don't change people. Trauma does. Mm. A lot of us are living through the lens of a personality that's unhealed hurt. Right. It's not even us. We don't even know who we are anymore because we ain't been right since that assault. We don't know who we really are anymore. And we're stepping out into the world with this. Have an expectancy of positivity. I expected our call today to be great. That's why it's great. That's why I'm so hyped up because I've been looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to the people who would listen. I've been looking forward to the lives that would be changed. I've been looking forward to seeing your smile. I look forward to putting on my business casual blouse and a little makeup and getting my nails done for the occasion. I've been looking forward to it. That's why it went well. But if I would have dreaded this, if I would have woke up this morning, oh, why did I agree to this podcast today? Lord, it's Monday. I'm tired. My cycle is on. I am hungry. No, mm -mm, this ain't going to work for me. This would not have been a good conversation. It would have been dull. It would have been dry. We probably would have already wrapped it up by now. You probably would have published this episode and be like, what the hell happened to her? Man, I really thought I was pre-screening people with these calls, but maybe not. Maybe I need a better tactic because she came out of bag on me. Natalie is crazy. Well, let me check that one off my list. That's somebody I'm never going to work with and never going to respond people to and never going to talk about again. And here you could be the block your blessing. Because of how you felt, because of how you woke up. If you really are in a dragging mood, you know, you're really not having it, you should reschedule all of your calls. You should not get on calls if you're in a terrible mood. You should not get on sales calls 
pretend to be sick. You really are sick. If you really feeling that bad, you should let people know, you know what? Unfortunately, today, you know, I really hate to cancel last minute. I'm feeling very unwell. Mm. In the age of COVID, I don't know anybody who you send an email with the words very unwell who's going to say, come anyway. If I had sent you that email 30 minutes before this call and went, I'm so sorry. I'm feeling mm-hmm. very unwell. You, oh, I hope you feel better. Well, I'll follow back later this week. No problem. Give some rest. Love you. Bye. And that would have been that. And you never would have known when I was over here feeling crazy. So I think we really need to remember every touch point that we put out in the world, every conversation, every Facebook post, every website word. They're all things that are either moving your ideal client, your community, your family forward, or they're setting you back. And all of that negativity that people are just determined to put out there on the Internet is probably the reason why they don't have the money they deserve and desire. (sighs) Natalie, that was good. It's so funny. So as I was listening to you, it made me think of a post on Facebook that I saw you comment on. Right. And I totally agree with you. A lot of people agree with the person. So I don't even know if you remember because I don't think I did no action on the post. But it was a person who like their coach, they had just got to think of like a $20,000 sale. And they were on a call with their coach and they were so excited, you know, and the coach was like, what you excited for? That ain't a million dollars or something like that. And I remember seeing you was like, I could not. You was like, I could not have a coach like that. And I totally agree. Also, that made me so angry. And she kept sticking up for this coach too who was the guy by the way and i'm not saying there's nothing wrong being coached by men i'm saying it's a different energy it's a different kind of energy but i think let me run a stat back black women run businesses on average make twenty four thousand dollars a year gross a year latina women 51k all women total 149 And that includes black people. So, you know, if that excluded black people, that number would be higher. If my client make a $20,000 sale, they made 95% of what they were supposed to make the whole year. Per the statistics, I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to celebrate you hitting six figures for the year. That's a lot of money. I'm going to celebrate that. I'm not going to completely diminish. Now, If you say, Natalie, you know what? I'm so empowered that I'm going to actually create a VIP day where I set up people's whole podcast on Monday and I edit all the episodes on Tuesday and I give them 30 days of boxer support and I'm going to sell it for 15K. I'm going to say, okay, let's get it. Right? But if you say, I'm going to sell it for 2,500, I'm not going to jump down your throat. I'm going to go, wait, wait, wait. I like the idea, but that sounds like a lot of work if you thought this through. There's a way that you talk to people. And I feel like what folks put on the internet a lot of time is just shock value. I don't know. I read that post and I thought to myself, did your coach actually say that? And two, why would you hire somebody who's rude like this? Like part of me hoped that she was making it up just for the likes because I just couldn't imagine being happy that you paid someone to talk to you like that. Oh, that's all. She's like, yeah, that pushed me. Yeah, that's not pushing. That's the same kind of pushing that like parents do when they tell you that your A minus is not good enough. That's the kind of pushing that pushes people right on into therapy. Look, been so, there. Been- I'd rather not get pushed into perfection. Thank you very much because perfection is not real. Amen. And I think you need to keep people encouraged. I have a really big goal that I want to hit this month. But if I don't hit it, my coach is not going to insult me. So 
And if she did, she just wouldn't be my coach anymore. You know, that's just not to me in alignment with my morals and values. I think it's important for us to encourage people, especially if they are down. Especially. And I don't care what people think. This ain't football camp. If you get on a call with me, go now, let me be honest with you. I haven't made a sale in like a month and I am terrified. We're going to talk through that feeling. I'm not going to say, well, it's your fault you haven't made a sale in a month. I mean, how many sales calls have you had? I mean, how many leads have you had? I mean, have you listened to me at all? That's rude. That's flat out rude. They're already going through something. Let's acknowledge. Let's recalibrate. Let's go, okay, what's working, what's not working? You see, this is not working. Let's move into maybe what could work. That's, to me, what motivates people. So I think it's interesting, but there's all kinds of people in this world. There are people in this world who like to be slapped in their face, spit at, and cut stat, and they call that a good time. So Best. if they like pain, let them go for it. I just wouldn't hire them mess like that. I read that same post and I'm like, what? Right, right. I saw it like, okay. All right, Natalie. When we spoke before, we both talked about our results from a saboteur quiz, right? And realized that we're both hyper achievers. Talk to us about what this means to you and what changes you've made as a result of finding this out. Oh, God. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> child, man. My old life, oh my goodness, it's terrible. I have really had to get careful because I am off the chain, apparently. So I took this test from this company called Positive Intelligence. For those of you listening, they really ought to pay me as an affiliate at this point, but I digress. I'm actually going to look into that. I think all of us, I think all women, suffer from this. I think we are accustomed to always doing, and especially in the Black community, we've always felt like we had to do better than and prove ourselves. So it was degree after degree, certificate after certificate, course after course. And I discovered that I had 23 conflicting priorities, 23 programs, products, initiatives, and I couldn't get out of any of them. It was really scary. Like, I had one-on-one clients and contracts. I had group programs I had already sold. How am I going to not deliver it? I already sold it. I had a workshop I was planning. I was getting my certified financial planner. I was running a financial planning business and the coaching business. I had a sales coach, a risk coach, a messaging coach, a business coach, three different people on my financial dream team. I was in the middle of a rebrand. I had to schedule a photo shoot. This is just what I can remember off the top of my head. This is not at 23. And that's including all of my one-on-one clients as one task of the 23. I had seven one-on-one clients. Right. So this was counting all seven as one. And I had two group programs that was counting the group programs as one task. So it's really more like 30-something if you really would have spread it out. And I was actually kind of afraid. I was really afraid for my sanity. I was afraid for my marriage. I was afraid. That I was just going to drop dead one day from an aneurysm or something and nobody would even know what had happened to me because stress. And all I could think to myself was, Natalie, you chose all of these things. None of these are things that other people put you in. You can't blame your job. You can't blame your husband. You got on a sales call with every one of those persons. You took their money. You posted this. You signed up for that program. It was all you. And I really had to sit back and go, you know what? I have a problem. I am not aware of how much work it's going to take to get something done. I commit 
and then realize this is going to be a very involved process. And by then it is too late. And I never feel like something's good enough. So then I got a key. I don't want it to be perfect, but I want it to be excellent. And even getting things to excellence is work. People think perfectionism is the only flaw. No, you can be too excellence driven as well. If your brain only accepts things being an A, even getting things to an A minus takes a lot of work. And I had to accept, you know what, Nat? You're doing too much. So I got brutally honest. I closed down my financial planning business. I bought out my contract with the firm that I was using to run it. It cost me almost $10,000. I basically dropped out of my certified financial planner class. I'm still paying for it. But I just, I was like, I need to be realistic. Um, my two clients that I would say, you know, I felt like could continue on without me. I didn't renew. Could have easily got that money, but I didn't. I changed my schedule to where I only meet with clients on the first and third week of the month. Meetings. And I'm really cognizant when I look at my calendar, I really only like to have four meetings a day. So if I look at my calendar now, like I'm, I can look at tomorrow, well, I have one, two, three, four, five. So I have to ask myself, is five stretching it, right? Or do I need to move one of these meetings to another day? It'll be fine. Two of them, I'm being coached. So I think I'll be able to manage it. But I've gotten that granular. I've also hired some help. I have a chief operations officer now. And I have a virtual assistant who's doing 10 hours a week. And she's very aware of my overwork tendency. So she checks in with me every day. Hey, good morning. Is there anything I can do for you today? You've got two hours of me time today. You sure you don't want to use it on something so that I don't fall back into my, my standard, which is I'll just do everything. I'll just do it. I don't need no help. I'll just do it. It'll be fine. No, I don't need any help. I'm good. Because I always felt like by the time I explained to somebody what help I needed, I could just do it faster myself. But that keeps you trapped. And so whether it takes longer or not, I still need to. So like I do a weekly series in my paid membership called Economics Bay, where I talk about finance and like plain speak. I mean, really simple English where an eighth grader could understand it. Today, we talked about stock market volatility. What is a bear market? What is a bull market? What is a value stock? What is a growth stock? What is dollar cost averaging? And I realized a visual aid would be useful. You know, I'm about to pull out my canvas, straddle for two hours, and then I went, wait, let me go in Slack. Let me let my VA know. Hey, you know what I think would be helpful? I think a visual aid. How do you feel about making a presentation? That way, every week, I have slides that people can view so they can follow along with the information. She said, no problem, just send me the information. Now. Is my brain going to tell me that I could do it myself if I got to send her all the information? Absolutely. But it is wrong because all I have to do is type up a list of the slides. I don't have to actually make them. It's going to save me time. I just have to stick with it. But it only works if I utilize her. If I just pay her and don't use it, then of course it's not going to work. And I can't tell you how many VAs I have paid and barely gave any work to. Because again, in my mind, I didn't really need the help. So I was paying them to make myself feel better. But I wasn't, it was like people pay for the gym and they'll go. But they feel good just having a gym membership. Even they fat as ever, myself included. They just fluffy as they want to be. They ain't been in the gym since they signed up. But they keep paying because it keeps making them feel better than maybe they could go to the gym. I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to be the person who pays for help and utilizes the help. So I've changed a lot. Do I backslide? Every day. I don't know that I will ever heal the hyperachiever in me, 
But if I could just get down to just achiever, I'm going to call that by the grace of God. If I could just take a step down, but I'm still in the program. I still do meditation. So, you know, we'll speak. And like I said, I used to have 13, 14 meetings a day. So getting down to even five, I'm giving all glory to God. I'm excited about it. I love that, Natalie. Oh, my goodness. Y'all listening, right? Don't feel bad if Natalie done stepped on y'all toes, right? Because Natalie stepped on my toes, too. You know, I'm one of those ones that I need to hire, right? I know I need to hire. But the thought of having to give them the information to show them what they need to be successful overwhelms me. And I'm like, by the time I do that, I might as well do it myself. Do it yourself. Well, I'm going to tell you a quick tip that can help you. The next time you start working on a task, I want you to go to your Loom account, Loom, L-O-O-M, just turn on screen and camera and record. And then when you finish the task, just rename it. How to edit podcast episode. How to schedule podcast guests. How to hold intake call. Like that call me and you had last week. I give you verbal legal permission to put that in your sales training database. So that way, when you hire somebody, maybe she can do the screening calls for you. And you could just send her that call and she can watch it so she know how you want it run. And then all you have to do is create a little form. Did the person show up on time? Yes. Did the person agree to meet next week? Yes. Did the person have a topic in mind that falls in one of the categories I told you about? Yes. Did they seem friendly and fun and interesting? Yes. Do you have any doubts, questions, or concerns, any reasons why they shouldn't be on my podcast? Nope, went well. And then you could just schedule them. And now you got an hour of your time back. So now you're not vetted equal for an hour and then recording for an hour. And spending two hours per guest. Plus, right? And that's only right. the face Plus time. all the admin and all the editing and right. the, the graphics. And the, she could make the graphic. You just get a template and then you just replace the pictures. If you don't hire somebody, you cap yourself. You will always be a small business. You will always work five, six days a week. You will always be out of office. Always. The only way to get some freedom is to get somebody hired. I have a membership now. I don't have to engage in that group all the time. I don't have to show up all the time. I don't have to run all the calls. I have somebody else doing that now for me. It also makes you more valuable. When you're the only face of your business, people think that your time is not as valuable. People go, oh, Natalie show up for her own sales calls. Natalie do her own lives. Natalie sends out all the emails. Natalie builds her own Trello board. Natalie ain't doing as well as I thought. She a one-woman show. And then they jump in your DMs to ask questions. And now you've broken that boundary. You need to make yourself the celebrity of your business. Beyonce ain't doing her own hair and makeup. Beyonce ain't doing her own Pepsi commercials. Beyonce ain't doing her own sound check and stuff. Beyonce show up when it's Rehearsal time and show time. Everything else, she has a team to do it. That's why she's so exclusive. If Beyonce showed up and had to pitch her own stuff, people would be like, I thought Beyonce was all that. She ain't even got a, she don't even have a manager. She don't have a manager. Oh, no. Forget that. I don't care how good she can stay. She's not the celebrity we thought she was. Mm. So we have to put ourselves up on the pedestal of being a celebrity in our own business when you're the personal brand. And you can't be a personal brand doing all the things. Right, right. Even if it's creating a baby buffer of not emailing people from your email. So if your email is NicoleWalker.com, make up an alias, a different first name. Add me in at NicoleWalker.com and email from a different person's name. Tanya, that'd be good. Your sister's Tanya. 
So anytime you want to email people or you need information that they're behind on payments, let Tanya do it. That, that will sense. put some buffer between you and your clients because they're like, oh, Tanya, yeah, about that. Can you let Nicole know this and that? You know, I've already spoken with Nicole and she wanted me to let you know that if you don't pay by this day, it's this consequence. You're going to be able to get caught up on that or you'd be surprised. Payment challenges, scheduling issues, all kinds of stuff dissipate when people realize that they can't put the sob story on you. Mm. That you have a, a third party of a liaison. And by pretending to have an assistant, maybe you can get your mindset around how nice it would be to actually trust somebody with it. And you just ease them into it, get you a 10-hour-a-week VA and actually force yourself to give them 10 hours worth of work. Right, right. That's good, Nat. Look, Nat- Natalie done turned this into a coaching session. Natalie, Natalie is not playing, y'all. Y'all better be writing it down, too. Y'all better be writing it down. All right, look, we got to speed through because we be talking, look. Okay. I'm listening. So 52 books in a year, y'all. Natalie reads a minimum 52 books a year. Talk about that's hashtag gold for me, Natalie. You are a superstar. I am so inspired. So tell us two books, two books that you feel like every entrepreneur should read. I really, really like Atomic Habit. Um, I know everybody loves it. I love it. I think it's so powerful because most of us, Forget what we've learned. Just imagine how great you would be. Not good. Great you would be if you kept adding little by little, day by day, what you already knew. And just implement. Imagine if you got 1% stronger or 1% faster or 1% better at sales every day. And just incrementally over time, how much further ahead would you be this time next year? So that's by James Clear. I love Atomic Habits. I really like pretty much all of Malcolm Gladwell's books, probably Outliers. I really like Outliers talks about why some people are excellent and some people are mediocre. And it's not what you think. A lot of us think everybody came in at a level playing field and some people are just harder working. But he found out even with Bill Gates and even with like professional hockey players, when they were born, the year they were born or the month they were born or their gender is really what was at play. Basically, everyone doesn't start off level and you should stop trying to compare yourself to people who had an unfair advantage, even if you don't recognize that they had an unfair advantage, right? A lot of us look at certain persons and go, well, if they're a billionaire, why can't I be one? But you don't know what their circumstance was, how they grew up, where they grew up, kind of parents they had, what kind of exposure they had. And there are patterns, almost every successful person that he outlines has certain patterns in their life. He also talks about how you become excellent, which is basically just 10,000 hours of practice. So that's something that anybody could do. A lot of us don't actually practice. We just read. So we absorb more and more and more and more and more information, but we don't actually put it into practice. And he talks about if we spent just a tenth of the time we spend reading, actually implementing, that all of us could be experts in our lifetime. So I think that's an important read for people, outliers. I love that. Look, I'm going to start with Atomic Habits, y'all. I got that in my drawer and I ain't, I ain't read it yet. Thank you. I read it once a year. It's okay. That, it's that important. You should read it like, keep reading it. It's incredible. Right. I love that. I love that. All right. So in relation to self-care, I wanted to take a different spin. Natalie, do you believe that surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals is a form of self-care? 
why or why not? Absolutely. Being around the wrong people is literally a curse. I mean, if your circle keeps you small, it's a cage. So I think we really need to accept who we have in our life and who we placed in our lives and why. If your circle is trash, it's a reflection of you. That's what nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to admit that, you know? And I think having people that will not let you play games with your life and the anointing that that is on your life is important. I also think that if you don't take time to listen to your body, that your circle can push you in the wrong direction. For instance, I'm a hustler. I attract other hustlers and we'll hustle ourselves into burnout. So you also need to be careful about being around people who reinforce your bad habits, whatever those bad habits are. So I have a friend in my circle who's married with three children who encourages me to take time to rest, even though I don't have kids. So she's like, look, just because you don't have children don't mean you have to work yourself down to the bone. Because if you get in the habit of overworking now, if you ever do have kids, you're not going to stop. And your kids are going to grow up and be gone and grown. And you're going to be like, what happened? Right? You're going to neglect your husband. You're going to neglect your mom. You need to have some rest. So when she goes on a spa day, she'll text me. I hope you're relaxing. Today is spa day. Right? So I think it's good for you to have people in your circle who have aspirational qualities that you want. Not just people who are going to reinforce you doing the same old thing that you've always done. When I worked at Cracker Barrel, all of my friends worked at Cracker Barrel. We all worked at, went to school at A&M. We were all broke. We reinforced the same bad habits. If one of us threw a party, we all threw a party. One of us got drunk, we all got drunk. One of us stayed out to two in the morning, we all stayed out to two in the morning. We rode the same cars. So we, we all started converging towards this similar person. It's no wonder that none of us accomplished anything other than hanging out at parties and making lots of tips at Cracker Barrel because that's literally all that we attempted to do while we worked our way through college. Wouldn't it have been a blessing if I could have gotten around somebody from a different school or who worked a different job or who had a different major so that I could have gotten exposed to what other possibilities were. And a lot of times, especially in the Black community, we're not exposed to other things. So we just keep reinforcing the same small-minded ideas with our peers because that's all that we know. So find you some people that are different from you. Don't let your circle be the same people you went to high school with. The internet has opened up so many possibilities for us. I have friends that are millionaires. That's powerful, you know? And I think a lot of us don't even want to approach millionaires. We're like, what could I possibly offer them? But I mean, I'm an amazing person, net worth aside. I have something to offer anybody who comes across me. And that's how everybody should feel. They have something to offer. That millionaire might want to start a podcast. They might be willing to, to do a trade or a barter and put you in their fancy country club. Hobnob with other millionaires. This is how the wealthy stay wealthy. They use their networks to expose them to new, important people. We typically use our networks to just reinforce our bad behaviors. And there's a reason why some people go off to make all this money together and some people be in the same hood where they grew up when they're 60 years old. I'd rather be the former. So, yeah, I think it's a radical act of self-care to get rid of the people in your life that no longer serve. It's not easy to do. It's not. I love that. A radical act of self-care. And Natalie, you don't have so many mic drop moments, y'all. 
Y'all don't know. So for the people listening, right, like Natalie done had me falling back in the chair. Like, you know, I'm trying to keep the sound quality good, but it's been a lot going on. And I like your if your circle is too small, it's not a circle. It's a cage. Right. So really being mindful of that. Another way that I've heard it said, you know, look at the five people closest to you. That's a true reflection of what you look like. Because sometimes it may be harder to look in the mirror at yourself, right? So look at the other people. I know for me personally, in my own journey, it came a time where I had to do that. And what I saw around me, I didn't like, right? And that was one of the catalysts that allowed me to change my life, right? So it's super, super important and could be very useful to your growth journey. So let's talk about celebrating wins. What's your latest win and why is it important to you? What is my latest win? Oh, I got accepted into this program led by Georgetown University that will help me get published. So I'm going to be a traditionally published author in a year. 20 weeks, they get you to a 25,000 word manuscript. And then in the next 20 weeks, they get you published with New Press Publishing. And I think I paid like $900 out of pocket. All the rest of it is covered by a grant through the university. So, yay. Congratulations. That's a big one. So that's my most recent win. That was last week. I love that. I love it. Congratulations. Yeah, this one, I sneak up on them, right? I don't think nobody be ready for this win question. No, I wasn't thinking about that. Listen, what does being a win her mean to you? And when you finish that, where can we find you? To me, being a win her is giving back to your community, showing the world that you have something that was worth magnifying. Many of us have gifts that we hide. If you've ever read the parable of the talents, you know what that outcome looks like. But being brave enough to actually put yourself out there, it's not easy. People can find me at www.unapologeticwealth.com. They can see my new beautiful website. And you can follow me on Clubhouse at Natalie Bullen, on Instagram at Unapologetic Wealth, or Twitter at Unapologetic Wealth. All right. Well, thank you, Natalie. You dropped so many gems. Oh, my goodness. I'm just so excited to listen again and again and again. Thank you so much for joining us. You are welcome. It was fun. I really enjoyed this interview with Natalie, and I hope you did as well. My takeaway for today is to utilize the formula that Natalie mentioned so I can ensure that I'm attracting my ideal client. I love that Natalie shared this strategy with us and gave us examples of how to use it. What's your takeaway from this episode? Send me an email and let me know. My email is winhersunited at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. One of my models is sharing is caring. So I sure hope that you care to share. I look forward to receiving an email from you. Also, Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode to read Natalie's bio, get the links to connect with Natalie, get the cash app handle for Winhurst United, get the direct link to my Buy Me A Coffee page, to get the link to get your Winhurst t-shirt, and more. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing, winning woman of color entrepreneur. But until then, as always... Be empowered and empower on.